So we're reading from uh, the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 1, 1 to 11. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that you love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Thanks, Maria. Uh, it'd be really good to keep your Bible open there at Philippians. Uh, we are week two into a series uh, through this letter of Paul's to the Philippian church. And uh, this morning we're particularly going to be focusing on verses uh, 9, 10, and 11 uh, there at the end of that reading. So it'd be really good to keep your Bible open. There's a sermon outline uh, if you want to follow along where we're going with some questions at the bottom that you can, might be able to consider uh, a little bit later on uh, on your growth group throughout this week. Now, I was uh, a little late uh, this year getting my, uh, my vegetables, my winter veggies, into my garden. Uh, by now, I sort of hoped that I might have something to show for it, but there's uh, not, not nothing there yet. <laughs> now, for anybody who's uh, into gardening, into growing vegetables, I don't know if you find this, but I find that the first few weeks after I put a plant in... Um, I'm anxious about whether or not the thing is actually going to grow. <laughs> I like spend all this time thinking, did I get a dud plant? Because uh, this thing is just sitting there. Well, every now and then there is a dud plant and nothing happens. But most of the time, uh, after a few weeks, I'll go back and I'll go, oh, yeah, actually, uh, there is some growth there. There's some new leaves. It's a little bit taller. The stem is a little bit thicker. And then a little bit you know, later, then there might be something to enjoy as well. Uh, there has been growth, I can conclude, healthy growth, uh, good growth. Now, we, we often talk about growth in a church context and as Christians as well, don't we? Uh, one of the obvious ones is we, we talk about uh, the growth in the size of the church or the lack of growth in the size of a church. And that's kind of easy to judge, isn't it? Uh, you can sort of count up all the people that are there on a Sunday, how many seats were filled, whether you need to put more chairs out, uh, the size of the role, and you can say whether or not the church has grown. But we talk about another kind of growth also, one that is much uh, harder to measure. We talk about spiritual growth or growth of Christians to maturity in Christ. That, that's a little bit harder to understand, isn't it? Um, I don't know about, about your life, but I find often in my life, I, I, 
It's like my veggies at the start. I wonder if I got a dud. I wonder if I'm the dud. You know, I look look at my life and I I can see just a lack of spiritual growth or or growth to maturity in Christ. Maybe you feel the same way about your life sometimes. Like what's actually different about my walk with Jesus than 6, 12 months ago or 12 years ago? And maybe we can feel that way about the church as well. Like is the church growing spiritually? Are we, are we growing uh, towards maturity in Christ together? Do we get a dud, a, a dud church where nothing is going on? Well, this morning we, we're going to be unpacking uh, this prayer of Paul uh, for the Philippians. And we're going to be thinking about growth and a particular type of Christian growth, Christian maturity. Uh, This prayer is actually introduced all the way back up in verse 3, if you want to have a look there. Uh, Paul expresses his thanksgiving uh, for the Philippians to God, and he expresses the joy that he has in praying for them. And then he kind of gets a little bit sidetracked and talking about all the reasons why he has so much joy in praying for them, their their partnership in the gospel, uh, that they are partakers with him in the grace of God. And if you look at verse uh, 8 in in particular, he talks about uh, his yearning for them and all the affection uh, that he has for them uh, in Christ. He really loves this church and he wants to express that. But then in in verse 9, he moves to what he is praying for them. And, and I want to say suggest that he's praying for a spiritual Christian growth for this church and a very particular type of it. He's praying for love, isn't he? A, a growth in love in these Christians. So that's what we want to think about this morning. We want to think about uh, what it means for the church to grow in love. How it grows in love what God does, what what we're involved in doing. And actually, we want to think about why it matters. And to do that, you've got an outline in front of you. We're going to have a look firstly at Paul's request, which is basically there in verse 9. And then we're going to have a look at uh, the results of the growth of why it's so important in verses uh, 10 and 11. We'll mostly focus on verse 9 this morning. So let's dive in. Let's have a look at verse... Let me read verse 9, which is his request. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Paul is praying for them uh, for ever-increasing love, for that balloon that that, that Robin had uh, of the church to to keep being filled. And, well, it's never going to burst, this one, (laughs) to keep growing. He's not praying that they're their love will remain constant, is it? He's not praying that their love will grow cold. (laughs) He's actually asking them, asking God, forgive ever-increasing love. He's not rebuking them for a lack of love either, is he? But he's praying that what they already have, they might actually have more and more. Now, the question we might ask here is, well, well, what, what love is he actually praying for? Because there are quite a few options, aren't there? When you're talking about the Bible and Christians, uh, could it be love for God? Uh, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, 
Uh, could it be love for each other? That would make sense too, wouldn't it? I mean, Jesus said the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. But there are other options too. It could be love for the gospel, uh, love for non-believers, love for the word, uh, love for the church as a whole. While Paul doesn't say it directly, I, I think the context here in the book of Philippians helps us. You see, at different points throughout this letter, and we touched on this last week, uh, the Philippian church is going to be urged to unity, to oneness, to standing together uh, in the faith for the cause of the gospel. Uh, Have a look, if if you've got your Bible open there, at the end of uh, chapter 1, verse 27. He says, "I, I want to come and see you. And I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's a constant theme that comes throughout it. He wants this unity and this oneness in the church. And just think about what's immediately gone before this. Paul, in in a sense, is expressing his own love for them. I have you in my heart, he says. I I long for you with the affection of of Jesus Christ. So what's Paul been praying for them? Well, he's been praying that they would have love for one another like he has for them. That they in the church would would experience what he has in his heart for these people. A growing love for them. I think this suggests pretty strongly that this is his prayer for their growth. That they actually grow abound more and more in their love for one another. You see, this is actually one of the clear fruits of the gospel, isn't it? When it takes root in a person's life, when it takes hold of a church. That that people stop uh, being self-centered and self-loving, but become not only lovers of God, but lovers of each other. The love of the church isn't meant to grow cold, or stagnate, or stand still. When Christians are growing, that love abounds more and more. And that love is more than just a feeling, isn't it? It's more than just a a fluttering of the heart. It's, It's the kind of love that God has for us. It spills out in in sacrificial living and giving for each other. And, And notice something that that first of all, that this is something that Paul prays that God would do for them. You know, before he urges them to love, which he's going to do, he recognizes that it's God who increases it. It's God who makes it abound, and so he prays for it. And I think in one sense, Paul gives us a really good example here, doesn't he? This is something that every single Christian can do. This is a way that we can all serve the church. By praying that God would make our love for each other abound more and more. You don't have to be on a roster for that. You don't have to have a working with children's check for that. Uh, You don't have to be mature for that either. Every single one of us can follow Paul's example and pray for love to grow in the church. Now, one of the things I love about my veggie garden in winter, 
particularly this winter, is I, I don't have to worry too much about watering it. <laughs> because basically, God has this thing set up this winter where it just rains, you know, three days out of four, you know. And so I don't have to worry about it. And so I can sort of just sit back and take a rest. And I'm pretty confident that one day I'll go out there and that there'll be fruit, uh, there'll be things to eat out of my veggie garden. Now, is that the same then with, with growth in love in the church? I mean, it's God that does it. Paul prayed for it. We can pray for it. Do we just get to then kind of sit back and wait for God to give it? Can we kind of just lead selfish, self-indulgent, self-focused lives? And, well, if God wants to grow us in love, well, then he'll do it. Well, not quite, is it? We all know that. There's something really interesting that happens uh, in the book of Philippians. I want, you to, I want you to just cast your eye up to verse 6, in our, just above where we're reading. Look at what it says there. He says, and I am sure of this, that he, this is talking about God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He, he's confident that the God who saves Christians who brings them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, who pours out his love on them, that God will see that work through to completion. He'll keep going with it. But then at the same time, let me take you to chapter 2. Uh, and have a look at chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only uh, as in my presence, but now more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There's actually a bit of a tension here, isn't there? But Paul doesn't try and solve it. God finishes that work. <laughs> you work it out. Uh, you don't just sit back and wait for God. Uh, you go about that work as well. So how does that work with love? Well, look at how... How, how, how Paul finishes the sentence here in verse 9. He says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. What does he mean by this? Well, he's actually giving us a clue to how love grows in the church. How our love for one another abounds more and more. How God does that work of answering the prayer. He does it as he grows us in knowledge and discernment. Let's have a look about, think about knowledge first. What, what knowledge is that? Is that knowledge on how to change a tire, how fast the earth rotates, and who won the rugby last night? Which I just had to get in there. You can read your news later um, if you want to find out why. Well, not, not quite. When this word is used in the New Testament, uh, it is used entirely or only in one direction. It's knowledge of God. It's to know God better through his word. It's to know about him, who he is, what he's like, what he's done. And it's to know him experientially, to grow in our relationship with him. How does God grow us in our love for one another? Well, it happens as we grow in our knowledge of him. And if we think about it, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because he is love. 
He's the source of love. He's the OG love. He loves from the beginning. The Father displayed His love for us in in calling, adopting us as His children, in, in, in setting us apart to be His sons and daughters from before the creation of the world. So He showed His love. The Son demonstrated His love for us on the cross when He gave up His life for us. And He, he laid down His life so we could, we could be reborn. In Romans 15, it tells us that the Holy Spirit loves us as well. He who seals the love of God in our hearts, the Spirit, He loves us too. So it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? The more we know God, the more our hearts, like Robin said, it's filled with His love. The more that hearts are filled with his love, the more it overflows in our relationships with each other. Understanding him, appreciating him, knowing him more in the church will help answer that prayer for love to abound more and more. Now, he doesn't just say knowledge. He also says, uh, and with discernment. That word's a little bit more tricky. This is, the the commentators tell me, because I didn't count them up, Uh, This is the only time this word appears uh, in the New Testament. So it's a little bit hard to translate. But it is a word that appears 22 times in the Greek version of the book of Proverbs. It's It's a wisdom word. It's discernment to know what is good and better and best. uh, What is right and what is wrong. It's what God gives his people through his word, discernment, understanding, wisdom. You see, knowing God through his word not only fills our hearts with his love, but it helps us to know how to love people that he puts us in community with. How to love the church in a way that is good and that is right. So yeah, we'll pray for God to grow us in love, that our love may abound more and more. That is right, because God gives that to us. We'll pray for that work in our own hearts and in the hearts of each other. That's something we can all do. But we'll pray knowing that God grows us through knowledge and discernment. As he grows us in his word, He grows us to know him more and to love each other better. See, what what happens when we we don't grow to know God more through his word? What what happens if if we remain distant from God and we kind of shut him out? Do you think that love is kind of like just only goes up? (laughs) And maybe we'll just sit level for a while? We all know it doesn't work like that, does it? If we don't grow to know God more, our love grows cold, doesn't it? Our hearts start to turn a bit hardened towards other people. We start to think more about ourselves, less about God, and much less about others. Now, sadly, um, sadly, there are some Christians um, who aren't really bothered by that. Who, who kind of see 
love and growth in love for other people as a bit of an add-on extra for the Christian life. We can easily buy into this idea that the church is a place that you go to, just happens to be with a bunch of others who are kind of similar backgrounds, and we all kind of receive spiritual goods and services. That, that's not how the New Testament pictures the church. It's a community grown out of the love of God revealed in Christ. That is to keep growing in love for one another. Paul's actually praying here that the church would grow in love, not individuals. Individuals count because it's kind of the sum of the whole, but uh, it's for the church, all of us, to be growing together in love. Now, we might ask the question, why is this actually important? Uh, Surely, the main thing is that we're all saved. Um, We kind of get along. There aren't too many big fights. And if things go wrong, I guess we can always find a church uh, down the road (laughs) to belong to instead. Like, does it actually matter that the church grows in love? You know, I was thinking this week, I was trying to count the amount of churches that I know in Geelong. I reckon I could burn through a church every five years. And still find new churches to go to until, until I die, you know. Does it really matter that the church loves? You can just move on to the next one. Well, just briefly, I want to notice verses 10 and 11. And I want to notice why this growth in love is so important. Uh, and there's two things I want to notice there. Firstly, uh, growth in love uh, makes the church ready for the day of Christ. It helps the church prepare for the day when Jesus returns to earth. You see, as Christians, we live between two great events of the Lord Jesus. Uh, We live between his death and his resurrection, where he, he won life for us, and the day that he returns again to call all his people to himself. Now, one of the images that the New Testament gives of this is of a bridegroom coming to take his bride home. We're the bride, right? Our bridegroom Jesus, he's coming back. And he was waiting for a church that is beautiful, that is attractive. And part of that attraction is our love for one another. Look, look at how verse 10 goes. I, I want to notice this. You grow a love more and more so that, there's, there's a bunch of things that flow from this, so that you may approve what is excellent. So you can't, you'll be making wise choices. You, you, you'll know the things that are good. Uh, and so be pure and blameless. Now that purity, that refers to kind of like your inner, our inner lives. So the things that we think, the things that we love, the things that no one else can see. All right? He wants Christians and the church to have pure inner lives that are directed towards God and blameless. Blameless is the external stuff. That's the stuff everybody else gets to see. He wants that to match the inner life for the day of Christ. So that our bridegroom, our Savior Jesus, will return and he will find a bride that is beautiful and attractive inside and out. It'll be the work that he won on the cross 
fully and completely being worked out by the Holy Spirit throughout time. And he'll come back and he'll take his church to be his own. An unloving church struggles to produce pure and blameless Christians. It produces bitter and resentful and self-centered believers. Not attractive bride for our Savior. Love matters. The fruit of that is readiness for the day of Christ. Secondly, the second fruit of this love uh, it's verse 11, is glory to God. A, a church that loves, honors, and glorifies God. L- look at how verse 11 finishes off. Filled them with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. These are all the things that, 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 that God is working in His people who have been saved, who have been made right through Christ, through His blood. These are those things blossoming to the outside. Resisting temptation and and doing good works. These things grow in a church where love is abounding more and more. A church where love is abounding is an encouraging community to be a part of. It encourages us to grow in Christ. And this, he says, is to the glory and praise of God. We talk about getting together on a Sunday uh, to honor God, to praise Him. We do that as we we sing, we do that as we pray, we do that uh, as we kind of interact with each other. You know, it's possible to kind of have all of that just as really surface level. You know, and if beneath that there's like bitterness and resentment, And hard hearts to each other. It doesn't matter what you do. On the outside. It's not honoring to God. It doesn't bring him praise. And glory. You can be a small church. You can have pathetic music. You can meet in an awful shaped room. Whatever. But if there is love abounding more and more fruit of the work of God in people's lives. Well, that brings him glory and that brings him honor. This love matters, doesn't it? It's no add-on extra. It's not just for some churches and for some Christians. It's for churches that want to bring praise and honor to their Savior. And to be ready for the day when their Savior returns. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord God, we thank you for uh, your wonderful, generous work in our lives. The love that you have poured out on us. Oh Lord, we recognize that you've done that for just completely undeserving people. Uh, We're selfish and self-centered. We're straying. But Lord, you you just love us so generously. Lord, we pray that that love would so fill our hearts and minds, it would so fill our lives that it would spill out into love for each other. 
Help us, Lord, to love even when it's hard. Uh, Help us, Lord, to love even when we don't feel like it. Help us to love uh, even when we've been hurt by others. So that the church may be prepared for the day of Christ. So that you might be honoured and glorified. And we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.